to the Uplevel Your Relationships podcast. I'm your hostess, Allison Anderson, MD. This is the place where high-achieving women come to create relationships as extraordinary as their careers. If you're looking to uplevel all of your relationships, including the one with yourself, I've got you. Using evidence-based mindset tools, my training as a life coach, and my own experience as a physician, wife, and mom, I'll teach you everything you need to know to create relationships beyond your wildest dreams. I'm so excited that you're here. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, my gorgeous friends, and welcome to today's episode of the Uplevel Your Relationships podcast. I'm grateful that you're here, as per usual, and I'm really excited to share today's episode with you, which is a conversation with my coaching colleague and friend, Tracy Worthington. Now, you guys know, or if you don't know, I'm about to tell you, that any coach that's worth hiring, in my opinion, is one that truly and deeply believes in this work. Like the good coaches, the best coaches out there, we strongly believe in the power of coaching. We, you know, don't just do coaching as like a way to pay the bills or some formulaic thing or just a job. It's truly a passion and a calling. I have a great career in medicine already, right? Like I can pay the bills and it's its own type of calling. And I could just stay with that, but I believe in coaching so strongly that I just couldn't help but share it with other women because I've seen such tremendous results in my life because of coaching, and I love to guide other women in creating whatever it is that they desire for their lives. So all of that is to say that us coaches, we love to have our own coaches. Most of us have either one-on-one coaches or we're in group programs, maybe both. Lots of us have multiple coaches for different areas of our lives. We are all constantly doing the work of personal development on ourselves that we teach to our clients because we really believe in this. So Tracy and I were in a group coaching program together and we found out that we live just 45 minutes away from each other in Southern California. So we decided to meet up and now we are not only coaching colleagues, but we're also friends and it's been really fun getting to know Tracy and having sort of an in real life friend that I knew only in an online space initially. So I wanted to have Tracy on the podcast because she has a really interesting story and a lot of great stuff to share with us. She's a serial entrepreneur and she's run several companies over the past 30 years with her original niche being in the beauty industry. She's now a certified mindset and women's empowerment coach, and she's doing amazing work in the world. At age 42, Tracy found herself starting over after her soulmate took his life. At age 54, she also found herself starting over again. So I would like to say that she's basically the queen of pivots, and that's what we talk a lot about in this episode today, along with a lot of other elements of her story, including what it's like to lose somebody that you love deeply to suicide. So if that's a sensitive topic for you also, I want to give the disclaimer that Tracy does share her story of losing her husband in that way. So if this is something that maybe isn't appropriate for you to listen to right now or at all, feel free to skip this episode. But otherwise, I hope you really enjoy my conversation with Tracy Worthington. All of her contact information will be in the show notes of this episode, which is where I put a lot of juicy info. If you're not checking the show notes and you ever want to know how to get in touch or how to find something that I've talked about in the episode or how to find my guests when I have them, you got to go to the show notes. Okay, let's get on with the show. 
Okay. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. And really, I should say welcome back because (laughs) (laughs) we recorded this whole episode a couple of days ago and then technology happened. And I don't know where it went, but our episode is like floating in the ether somewhere and I could not find it. So Tracy has been lovely enough to do a round two with me. And I fully believe that everything happens just as it should. So some little magical tidbit is going to come out in our conversation today that maybe we didn't have the other day. Exactly. The universe just wanted to bring us back together again on this beautiful day. Yes, of course. Um, So why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction? Tell us about who you are and what you do. Well, I am, I have pivoted. I've made the the change from being in the beauty industry and running multi-beauty businesses. That's a mouthful right there. <laughs> and um, I've pivoted now into coaching and really just helping women with their mindset, empowering them more, and giving them that little nudge that they might need to make their own pivots in life. So I've been in the beauty industry for over 30 years. God, that sounds like a long time. But um, I started when I was 19, went to cosmetology school and just absolutely fell in love with the beauty business. And from working in the salon and then also becoming a makeup artist, um, adding that to my list of services and eventually creating a bath and body line that was on QVC, sold at Henry Bendel's Nordstrom you know, plenty of really great posh boutiques, and then to owning a blow dry bar. So from uh, COVID, I ended up having to close the salon, which I was really sort of ready to do. But part of me felt a little bit guilty, because obviously, you know, I'd put a lot of money, I'd spent almost 10 years doing it. But I felt COVID gave me that opportunity to make that pivot. And, you know, that's something that I think is really important that we don't necessarily have to stick to every single goal that we set for ourselves. Sometimes we need to make those changes. Yeah. You know, I think that is a really important lesson for most of the people in my audience, myself included, um, who have sort of had really linear career paths. And it's like, well, since I'm doing this, I guess I can't do anything else since I started this, I guess I better do it forever. And, you know, that's just really not true. We get the opportunity to change and pivot anytime we want. And I think you're such a beautiful example of that. It's so true. And, you know, I've had to make numerous pivots in my life. Um, As you know, I was married and my husband took his life by suicide. And that was in 2008. And, um, you know, kind of after that point, I lost some interest in my current business that I had my bath and body line and things were really shifting in that industry. Anyway, when I had first started it 10 years earlier, um, nobody was using essential oils and products. And so I started using essential oils and just creating these, you know, really great products. And then all of a sudden, you know, they started adding these essential oils into the product and it was becoming harder to compete. It was no longer a niche or something different that, you know, you could now you could go to Target and QVC or um, CVS and get these products. So it was kind of time for me to, to make a shift in that anyway. 
And after the death of my husband, I really sort of lost a little bit of interest in that business and um, really just needed some time to recover from from that trauma and figure out what was next for me in life. So I did actually end up just closing the business. Um, I, I did sell off some of my recipes that I had that I had developed for the product and sold off some of my um, ingredients and manufacturers. So I did sell some of those to other people who were interested in adding them to their lines. So I made a little bit of money off of that, but I took that next year to just really focus on what was next in my life. And um, I moved back to the Coachella Valley, which is where I, I graduated high school and kind of grew up here. So I moved back here. It was just really what my soul needed at the time. And when I got here, I realized most of my beauty services were not here in the Valley. Um, so that's where I made another pivot. And I decided to open a blow dry salon and um, had that for 10 years until COVID. And then had to pivot again. So, you know, there was a part of me that felt really guilty about not pushing through on either one of the businesses. But looking back now in hindsight, I realized it was time for me to make some changes and to grow from those experiences. And I think those experiences have helped me coach my clients with some of their changes that they're wanting to make in their life. Yeah, that makes sense because I can imagine how, you know, people probably come to you most when something big is happening in their life. And that's yeah. sort of the catalyst for the pivot. But even so, there can be a lot of hesitation to make a pivot. Or again, that pressure we put on ourselves of like, this is what I do, so I have to keep doing it. Or the guilt of giving something up that we've invested time, money, and energy into. So how do you, how did you walk yourself through some of those emotions um, as far as like any guilt or sort of wanting to hang on to things when you were pivoting? How did you walk yourself through those emotions and how do you do it with your clients? You know, I think first of all, you know, mindset is everything. I'm really, really big on mindset and I have sticky notes all over the walls in my office and my desk and even in my car that tells me to eliminate don't and can't and replace those words. So I think, you know, a lot of it is just mindset and getting over the fact or getting over that guilt, you know, I think, and, and not to say, you know, not to say anything about parents or how people parent their children, but I think a lot of parents, their kids will go into a sport or ballet or something, and then the kids don't like that. But the parents say, no, you have to, you know, you need to keep doing it. You wanted to do this and you have to keep doing that. And I don't necessarily agree with that all the way. I mean, certainly you have to make sure that it's something you don't want to do. You can't go to three classes and then go, okay, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I think you have to set a time limit. So I think, you know, we're just innately, we, we feel guilt when we aren't doing what we said we were going to do. And there, you know, there's a big difference in saying you're going to do something and not doing it saying, you know, I'm going to take the trash out and then you don't do it or setting a goal and deciding that's not really for you. So I think first off is getting your mindset right and eliminating the guilt from that. 
And then, you know, just really figure out what is it that you want to do. And that's what I help my clients with. I guide them and help them figure out, you know, what do you like to do? What interests you? What are you good at? And then we kind of try and narrow it down from there so that they can figure out where their next adventure is or what they want to do next, how they're going to pivot. So that's sort of, you know, how I take them down that journey, down that, that path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you bring up this thing about parenting. Like it's not to, you know, blame or shame any of our parents or parents. I mean, every parent did the best that they could. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's just doing the best they can with what they have at the time. But I do agree with you. Like there is really this push, especially in our um, society that like, you got to finish what you started, you know, you committed. So now you must be committed forever. I see that sometimes when I am coaching people on their relationships, which I do a lot where they are so sure that they want to maybe leave the relationship or change something about it, but they have so much pressure even there of like, I can't possibly, you know, not finish what I started or not stay on the path that I'm on. And so I think that it's really a breath of fresh air, the way you talk about like, you get to decide, you get to make a change. You don't have to feel guilty. Um, We base so much of what we do on like what other people might think. Yes. Life is just too short for that, you know? Yes. And, you know, I mean, I was guilty of that myself, you know, well, what is somebody going to think if I close my, my beauty brand? What, you know, what are people going to think if I close my salon? You know, when I closed the salon, I was very active in the community. Um, I did a lot of charity work. We donated a lot to the charities. I went to all the charity luncheons and functions. And, you know, for 10 years, I was Tracy from Just Blow Dries. When I closed the salon, all of a sudden I was like, who am I? I was having an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was anymore. And, you know, I think I have, you know, I have clients that, you know, their kids have gone off to college and now they've only ever been a wife and a mom and their husband's still working, but the kids are gone and they're not taking kids to soccer and ballet and PTA meetings and all those sort of things that they did for 18 years plus of their lives, depending on how many children they had. And now all of a sudden they're like, who am I? So, you know, a lot of them come to me because they want me to help them figure out what's next for them in their life and make that pivot from mom to, you know, now it's their chance. It's their turn. It's their turn to do something for themselves and create something for themselves. Hmm. Yeah. I think we get really attached to a certain self-image that we have for a lot of my audience. It might be like, well, I'm a doctor and that's who I am, or I am a nurse and that's who I am, or this is my profession and therefore that's who I am. But it's really not who we are. It's a part Mm -hmm. of what we do. It's something important to us. Yes. All of those things, but it's like really this separation of, you know, that you are not what your profession is. You are not what your role as a mother is. You're so much more than that. And you get to decide what you want to do with that. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's why I love coaching now. I mean, I love helping empower women and, and letting them feel that power of changing their lives and doing something different. 
Yeah. So important. So important. So if you feel comfortable with it, I would love to go back to um, the story of kind of your first pivot when you lost your husband very tragically. So I would love for you to kind of share a little bit more of that and tell us what that was like for you and how you got through that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would love to say that it was a surprise for me. We had been together for 10 years and the first year we were together after the first year, we'd been together maybe a little over a year and we had just come back from Paris and we had the most magical time. It was my first time ever going to Paris. And it was just, I mean, it was magical. And we got back and and he lived part-time in Houston and then because his business was there. So he would come home on Fridays and he would stay the weekend and through the whole week and the next weekend. So he was home about 10 days and he'd leave on Monday and he'd be back on Friday. So he was gone for four nights and home for 10 days. And I had absolutely no clue that there were some depression issues, some bipolar. Um, I didn't, I didn't see the signs of the mental health issues. And so he had gone back to Houston and I could not get hold of him. And I didn't understand, you know, it was just not like him to just not respond. And, um, we, I sent, I sent somebody for a well check on him at his apartment and they found him and he was barely breathing. He had tried to overdose on sleeping pills. And so, you know, they rushed him to the hospital. I was here in California. So I got on the next flight that I could to Houston. And, you know, from there, it was just really a journey, a a 10 year journey of every single morning. I knew when he was with me, that he was safe. And I knew he was never going to try anything with me there for me to find him. But when he was not with me, when he would go back to Texas, I always was uneasy. And when I realized that he had some depression issues, I started paying a little more attention. And as, and as I saw those roller coaster emotions going and, you know, the depression coming in, Um, I would start to feel uneasy. So, I mean, I can honestly say that for 10 years of our relationship, every single morning when he was not with me, I woke up thinking, is today going to be the day? Is Mm. today going to be the day? And the day that it finally happened, it was October 8th. I'm, I'm sorry, October 9th, 2008. And he had been in California with me and he needed to get back to Houston because the market was about to crash and he was in the financial industry. And I, I knew that moment and, you know, it was really interesting. You know, we all, I think if we really listen to our heart and listen to our gut, you know, when things are, are happening and, when he called me at my office and he said, I have to get back to Houston because I've got to get, you know, all my clients accounts in order because the market's going to take a hit and I've got to, you know, be there for my clients and, and help them get through this. And I said, let me come home and take you to the airport. And he always had somebody who drove him to and from the airport. So I didn't have to deal with LAX, which was so lovely of him. Mm -hmm. If anybody's ever had to go to LAX on a regular basis, you know what a nightmare it can be. Yeah. And he said, no, no, it's okay. You know, Steve's coming to take me to the airport. 
And I said to him at that moment, I said, but I didn't get to properly say goodbye to you this morning because he was on the phone when I left the office. And I knew that was the last time I saw him. Mm. And the next morning, you know, I spoke to him that night and he said, I'm not going to be able to call you in the morning because I'm going to be busy, but I'll call you about one o'clock your time or 11 11 o'clock your time. And normally we spent, you know, we spoke every morning at seven o'clock on the dot. I mean, you could set your watch by him. He was always on time. So when he didn't call me on time, I would panic. And I remember going to the office that morning and I was so anxious and had just so much anxiety. I couldn't even focus. I literally sat at my desk and played solitaire on the computer all morning. And I kept looking at the clock. It's 10 o'clock. It's 10 15. And then I was chatting with a friend of mine online and my phone rang and I looked at the caller ID and it was a friend of his and I just knew. Mm-hmm. And I answered and he said, you know, Tracy, you know, where are you? I said, I'm at the office. He said, I need you to get somebody to come and get you. And I said, no, it's okay. What What's happened? He said, well, you know, Russell has taken his life. Mm-hmm. And at that moment I said, okay. I mean, I took a breath and I said, okay. I said, well, I'm going to close up here at the office and I'm going to go home. He said, well, can, can you get somebody to come get you? I don't think you should be driving right now. I said, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. And I only lived maybe two miles from my office. So it was literally a straight shot. And, um, you know, I got home and started making some phone calls and, and I had been chatting with a girlfriend online and I literally just said to her, Hey, I got to go. Um, I just got a call. Russell committed suicide. So I'll talk to you later. And I just hung up. And she's like, whoa, what's happening here? So she was just, I mean, I had the loveliest friends and she left work and came to my house and she stayed there. And then she called some of our other friends and all my girlfriends gathered around and, you know, and they said to me, you're so calm and you haven't even like cried yet. And of course that was just the shock of, of the news, even though it it, I wasn't surprised by the news. It's still shocking. Right. And, you know, to get through that process, it's, it's, it is a process. I mean, it is, and it's something everybody has to do their own way. For me, because we were separated, you know, much of, for at least four days a week, uh, afforded what it what were we separated, maybe 10 days or so a month. Um, during that time that we were not together, we always sent emails and we had dogs and he loved our dogs so much. So every night I would send him an email before I went to bed. Oh, you should see what the puppies did. And oh, Sabrina did this and Lucy did that. And and he just always got a kick out of those emails. Well, all of a sudden that just came to a stop. And it was a part of my life that was missing, a part of my daily routine that was missing. So for me, I would sit in his closet and, you know, put his jackets on or his robe or, you know, I take a bottle of wine in the closet and sit and cry my eyes out and, you know, touch all of his clothes and, and, you know, just kind of think about him. And, and I started writing letters instead of the emails. And so the letters were very reminiscent of what our emails would be. And then 
as I progressed through the morning process, you know, sometimes they were like, how the F could you do this to me and leave me like this? And, you know, then they, I'd be angry with him and then I would be sad. And, and I wrote, um, I think there was 373 letters that I wrote over a little over a year and a half. And, you know, it was every day for a long time, for probably eight or nine months. And then it might be every other day. And then it was down to a couple of week. And finally, I felt in my heart that it was time to close that chapter. And I wrote the final letter. I still have all of them. I would put them in an envelope, date them and seal them. So they're all in a box um, in my closet and I have not opened them. Maybe one day I will. I don't know. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just leave them, you know, sealed up forever. Um, But, you know, if I feel like the time is right and if I want to revisit all of that, maybe I will. But it was very cathartic for me. Obviously, you know, I had to have a lot of therapy as well to mm-hmm. to process all of this. But um, that was very cathartic for me. And it was a way for me to move through that grief. Yeah, I think grief is such an individual thing. You know, it's like sometimes people want to tell us, well, this is the way or it should take this long or this is what you do. And you're just a prime example of like, there is no perfect way except for the way that's best for you. So I love that you share that with us. Thank you for that openness. And, you know, um, I had a lot of people say to me and, you know, including my mother and I know my mom meant well, but I would say, Oh gosh, I can't believe it's been, you know, four weeks today. I can't believe it's been four months today. And my mom said, you know, you need to stop counting how long it's been and just move on. And it, really sort of pissed me off, to be honest. And I, I snapped at her and I said, I don't really think that's your decision to tell me when I need to move on. When I'm ready to move on, I'll move on. But clearly you don't want me to share this with you. So I will not share it with you. And, you know, I think that made her feel bad. And, and, but, you know, everybody has to grieve for however long it is they need to grieve. And, and that includes a divorce. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean a death of a person, a divorce is also like a death. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, I've been through a divorce. So when you go through that divorce, it does feel like a death. You know, that person is not a part of your daily life anymore. Right, right. So, you know, people just need to understand and allow those to grieve for however long and however is best for them. Now, obviously, I mean, if, you know, 10 years later, you're still grieving you might want to get some help, but you know, you don't want it to drag out forever, but everybody needs to do their own process. Yeah, absolutely. Have you thought about doing coaching work like for your clients on grief? Cause you, you, you do a lot of things about like transitions, pivots, you know, that's the bulk of what you coach on from what I know. But what about grief coaching? Is that something that you're interested in or you've done or? It actually is something that I'm interested in. And um, I just finished writing a book on my whole story and my process of grieving, um, you know, through a suicide. And that's, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to come out this fall. That's what I'm, that's my goal as I'm working towards this fall. But yes, that is something that I, I 
have thought about adding to my coaching is, is grief coaching. Yeah. Because it is a process. And, you know, until you've really been through grieving yourself, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to get through that. It's good to have a community of people that can understand what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, we can all give great support and tools, but it really makes a difference when you are speaking with someone who's been through the same thing, something similar. I think that yes. makes a difference. And, you know, I think that I love that in your coaching currently, there's probably a lot of room to bring in some of those tools for managing grief because people might be going through a divorce or the kids leaving the house. And there, you know, even if it's not a death, there is a grieving of the old identity sometimes, yes. I think, or the big change of life, even if it's a positive thing, there might be something to grieve. So I think you're the perfect person to kind of incorporate oh, all of that together. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I would love to hear from you. We are pretty close to wrapping up, but I would love to hear from you just like, what are sort of your take-home messages that you would love women to know who are um, being faced with a pivot, whether it's just that they've decided that they're going to make a pivot or whether something big has happened in their life that's sort of catalyzing the pivot. Like, what would you tell those women? You know, I think um, one of, one of my big things that I'm, I'm really that I, I I feel very strongly about is allowing things to flow the way they're supposed to flow. Sort of like us having to redo <laughs> this today. You yeah. know, it there's a reason for everything. I believe there's a reason for everything. We don't always know what it is at that moment. Sometimes it doesn't come through for years. You know, you don't know what the lesson is or you don't know why this has happened. And then all of a sudden one day you go, oh, now I get it. So I think, you know, I like to just really encourage people to go with the flow. What are you feeling? Don't resist. Don't fight it. And don't worry about what other people think or what other people might say. Yeah. Just embrace the time, the changes that are coming in your life and, and go with it and be at ease with it. Yeah. You know, one thing we talked about on take one of this episode <laughs> that no one will ever hear again, including <laughs> us maybe, but um, we talked about how sometimes these pivots come with a lot of imposter syndrome, oh. which I think is like partially, you know, worrying about like, what will people think? Will they think I'm an imposter that I'm not qualified or this, like, who am I to do this new thing? Speak on that a little bit. Cause you have some good things to say about that. You know, so true. And the 70% of women suffer from imposter syndrome. And 35% of those are high achieving women. And, you know, I think for women, I, you know, I know there's men that that also have imposter syndrome, but I have suffered from it myself thinking, you know, when I was making this pivot into coaching, I thought, who am I to be able to coach people? you know, what makes me so special that I can coach them? And, you know, then I felt like I had to just immerse myself in every single coaching course and get this certificate and that certificate. And no, I'm not quite ready yet. And let me take this course. And, you know, that's part of imposter syndrome is because you don't believe that you um, can do it. So you feel like, okay, I need to take one. If I take one more course, I'll know. You don't. Just 
just do it, just start. And, you know, imposter syndrome is, it's tough to get through. And I do have a really great quiz on my website that people can go to and um, we'll send you an email download for it. And it's a quiz to find out, do you have imposter syndrome? Do you have these certain characteristics? And then um, at the end of it is steps to overcoming imposter syndrome. Mm. And, you know, even though I'm aware of it, there are times when I still catch myself and I think, okay, no, you don't need one more course. You're fine. Just keep moving forward. And so I still have to give myself pep talks every now and again, um, you know, to, to keep myself moving forward too. I love that you say that because I think that people sometimes look at us as coaches and they're like, you must just have it all figured out. You just must have a perfect life. I coach on relationships. Like your marriage must be just rainbows and sunshine all the time. And it's like, that's not the reality. And that's not even necessary. Like we, as coaches, we have so many tools and we have so much self-awareness and we use them on ourselves every single day (laughs) because (laughs) underneath it all, we all have a human brain that does its crazy brain things and does its default patterns. And we are just well positioned to know how to shift those things and manage them. But we all are constantly using our own work on ourselves, which I think is so beautiful. Yes. And when you get a a tool from a coach, know that it has been tested for sure. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We tried and tested it on ourselves. And when we know it works, we're going to share it with you. Yeah. Most of us are not teaching anything that we don't fully believe in because we've experienced the power of it. So exactly. And you know, that's why I chose um, women empowerment as really my focus and mindset and goal setting. I have always been a, a goal setter. And, you know, probably in the last 20 years, I've really done a lot of work on mindset. Uh, you know, I used to have I used to be very negative. And everything was a problem. And I would, you know, always be complaining about somebody or something. And I realized nobody wants to hear that crap. And so I really started doing a lot of work on my mindset. And um, I just, I, I love being able to empower women. I, you know, I've done that through my whole life in the beauty industry, giving them sort of a new lease on their day, if you will, you know, they come in not in a great mood and then they leave and their hair looks amazing and they, their shoulders are, you know, back and their head is up and they can take on the day the rest of the day, feeling really good about themselves. And women have a tendency to really be hard on themselves. I mean, we as women, we're always hard on ourselves. We never feel like we're doing a good enough job or that we've even done enough in our day. And I want to really empower women to see how great they are and to step into their own power. I love that. We could all use more of that. For sure. Would you please tell us where we can find you? Yes. Well, I hang out on Instagram a lot and that's at Worthy Coaching and it's not solutions, it's solutions. So S-O-U-L-U-T-I-O-N-S and the website is worthycoachingsolutions.com. Beautiful. And I will have all of that in the show notes. That's where you can go and find Tracy, find her um, guide or her quiz on imposter syndrome and lots of other goodies. 
So thank you so much for being here again. I love <laughs> My to spend pleasure. extra time with you. <laughs> My pleasure. I love and spending time with you, Allison. I think take two was even better than take one. So go us. Well, that that was our goal, right? Yeah, we exactly. Could impart some better nuggets this time. We totally did. Okay. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Allison. Okay, my loves. How amazing was that conversation with Tracy? I've just really enjoyed getting to know Tracy. And when I first heard some of these elements of her story, I just knew that she would be an amazing guest on this podcast because she really does have a lot of both personal experience and coaching tools to share. So if you loved what you heard today, please feel free to share this episode with a friend, of course, because like I always say, sharing is caring. And please go to the links in the show notes to find Tracy's contact information so you can go and check out all of the beautiful work that she's doing in the world. And hey, by the way, I do still have my 111 offer going. I've just been having so much fun that I keep like extending it and adding spaces to it because it's just such the perfect little way for people to get a taste of what coaching with me is like. I know that a lot of you tell me that you're not really sure or ready to invest the time or the money in a more long-term coaching package because you like don't even really know what the heck it's all about, which is fair enough. I get that. Lots of people don't really know what coaching is all about. And of course, I'm trying to you know share the tools with you here on the podcast to give you some idea of what this coaching thing is, but that's different than actually signing up to do deep work with someone in a weekly Zoom session or via Voxer text and voice message coaching. So I am extending still um, through the end of this month my 111 coaching package, which is one private Zoom session for 45 minutes, followed by one week of Voxer support afterwards, and it's only $100. And I know that $100 is not nothing, but if y'all have checked out any other prices for what coaching and different types of sort of personal development um, modalities cost, it's a lot more than that. And in fact, $100 is quite the discount off of what I would usually be charging for that type of support. So it's a steal of a deal. And I'm doing it because I just really want to give back and let people experience what coaching is um, when they might not have the resources right now to commit or they might not be ready to commit. So snap up your spot. There are just a few more. It's only through the end of the month. If you want a place in the 111 program, to get a little bite-sized taste of what it's like to be in my world, send me a DM or send me an email. All of my info is in the show notes of the episode as well. The other thing that I want to offer to you before I let you go is that on Wednesday, March 29th, I'm hosting a free masterclass called Intuition. It's all about how to get out of your brain, get out of your thoughts, and reconnect to your body and that internal compass that we all have. So many of us walk around just thinking, thinking, thinking all the time, and that's great and that's amazing, except we lose touch with our inner wisdom and our intuition. I know that for me, it's been a practice and a process to reconnect to my intuition and to really start to hear those nudges that I actually get that I just really wasn't aware of for a long time because of being so intellectual about things. 
I think it's really important to connect to your intuition because it can help guide you and eliminate a lot of confusion and drama um, that goes on when you're just using your brain to think about things. So come to this free masterclass Wednesday, March 29th. It's at like 4 or 5 p.m. Pacific um, to be determined because I'm just working out one other thing in the schedule with one of my clients. So please send me an email, send me a DM if you want to come to intuition. You don't have to pay, but you do have to sign up. Okay, my friends, I love you. I hope you have the most amazing week ever, and I'll talk to you in next week's episode. Take care.